0: 500 the podcast where we review rolling stones top 500 albums of all time i am 27 that's my handle not my age (laughs) or my shoe size and as always i am asia's songbird
1: jacob shots
0: yep and today we are reviewing boz skaggs is it his, it's his second album, right?
1: Yes, but it is his self-titled album.
0: Yes, 1969, self-titled Boz Skaggs, and also Bonnie Raitt's Give It Up from 1972.
1: Now, last week, we said that these two artists were pretty much completely new to us,
0: right? Yeah, I never, I mean, I know Buzz Skaggs was a guitarist with Steve Miller Band, but not really the Steve Miller Band material that I'm familiar with, and I have actually heard a little bit of Bonnie Raitt from her later, her 80s output, I've actually heard some of, but none oh, okay. of it ever stuck out, like, stuck with me or anything. I just, I'm just i just kind of vaguely aware of her, so.
1: I had never heard of Bonnie Raitt at all until we got to this item on the list. But Boz Skaggs had a weird sort of turnaround for me. Last week I said that I didn't know who Boz Skaggs was, and that was true. It was true. Was true. Was true. Was true. I looked up stuff about Boz Skaggs, and in that research, I had a, a crippling realization. <laughs> oh, God. I was looking through Boz Skaggs' work, and it said that he had a hit called The Lido Shuffle. And I read that, and I thought, uh, To the left, to the left, to the left, <laughs> to the left, to the right, to the right. Right, that one? Close, To the
0: Lido but not at shuffle. all close. Oh, well, I tried. <laughs>
1: I, I read Leto Shuffle, and, I, and there was like, there was this tiny part in the back of my brain. It gripped my brainstem like a vice. <laughs> oh, God. And I was like, oh, my God, why do I recognize this? What is this? And so I looked it up, and the Leto Shuffle is actually like a classic rock hit. I. If you listen to any sort of classic rock 60s and 70s radio, I must have heard this song like 50 times. Oh, wow. I have heard this song a lot. Like, if it were to come on the radio, I could sing along with a good portion of it, at least go along with the chorus. And I had no idea that it was Boz Skaggs.
0: All right, so let's just pause the podcast real quick so I can just listen to this for a second. All right, we're back, and I didn't actually recognize it. I mean, I've probably heard it. I've probably heard it before, but I mean, like, I've heard a lot of songs, and I don't remember like classic rock radio tunes. You know, like, I, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't really retain a lot of that because it's usually just <laughs> in the background or whatever. But
1: yeah, I just it was amazing to me that I saw the name and then like some sort of eldritch horror <laughs> it just consumed a portion of my brain until i could release it by finally figuring out what that song was beautiful and it was boz skaggs of all people of course it was it's usually
0: boz skaggs don't you know <laughs> it's like if you have to guess who said a quote, there's like a pretty good chance it was probably Oscar Wilde.
1: Right, that's right. So if it's a if it's a classic rock hit that you can't identify, that's kind of bluesy, then it's probably Boz skaggs Probably like a ten percent
0: chance. Like that's way better than <laughs> than a lot of them. It's like yeah, it's yeah. like Boz Scaggs or or like Bruce Springsteen, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: That's absolutely
1: not true. <laughs> that's not, no, it's never Skaggs. <laughs> this is the one time that it was Boz Skaggs.
0: <laughs> you can't just make us stati- I'm just gonna say it was it's actually a hundred percent accurate because based on the statistics that I have right now that it lines up <laughs> Th- based on my my extremely sizable sample size that I have right now that's,
1: the one recorded data point yeah the graph is a straight line <laughs> oh so Buzz Skaggs got it he did some solo recording to start I think and it just wasn't terribly successful so he went and did some work with Steve Miller Band like you mentioned
0: yeah and I I I, like I said I I really know like kind of mid-era like later Steve Miller Band where they kind of went all pop and had a ton of A ton of huge hits and I I love all those hits and I don't really actually know most of the songs that he did with Buzz or that the Steve Miller band did with Buzz Skaggs so I'm pretty I pretty much just know nothing
1: yeah his output was during their more psychedelic stuff which I also haven't heard a whole hell of a lot from but after doing that work with them he went back to I guess this was recorded in Alabama uh because it's with the Muscle Shoals rhythm section which is one of the most famous session groups of all time
0: yeah they've worked with like Aretha Franklin Bob Seger Paul Simon just all kinds of people uh the Allman Brothers just Dwayne Allman is also on this album featured which is awesome and yeah there's actually a pretty interesting I mean I haven't watched it but I've heard it's interesting while doing reading up on this stuff and reading comments on things I read that there's a Pretty interesting documentary about the Muscle Shoals rhythm section on Netflix, so maybe check that out. I think I definitely will.
1: Yeah, I think it's just called Muscle Shoals.
0: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, they're they're very very competent. They, there's a reason they're on so many projects and so many records because they're they're so together and tight and like they're always on point.
1: And it really shows on this one because there's just a great layering of all the different instruments.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of sounds too. Like there's a lot of instruments on here because
1: they're a pretty big group yeah you got piano bass guitar some standard rock stuff Mm -hmm. big horn section lots of all sorts of rhythm going on and
0: there's also like there's organ
1: yeah yeah an electric organ
0: it's good stuff i I really actually like the instrumentation on this thing it's it's pretty diverse actually for what it is like each track does sound kind of different because of how they change up the instrumentation, and how they use it differently. You know, I, I thought this might be a little bit samey, these songs, but they're actually fairly distinct. It. And it's only because I'm not used to listening to this kind of music that it kind of ran together for me. Ultimately, it is a pretty diverse album with lots of influences and lots of sounds.
1: Let's dig into it. Let's go into the track by track, if you're good.
0: Let's. First track is called I'm Easy, which is a nice vintage kind of... Sounding funky little soul tune.
1: Kind of about Boz's simple nature. Yeah, this uh, this had a really good bass line to it, I think. It does. Really soulful, funky bass line. Really groovy.
0: Yeah, groovy. I'd say groovy more than funky.
1: And th- there's a l- little bit of groove... ...all over this album, I think.
0: Yeah, we, we actually didn't talk about the genre of this thing. Let's go off on that. Wikipedia classifies it as blue-eyed soul, which is just a nice way of saying white soul.
1: <laughs> right, That it was actually coined by uh, radio disc jockeys as a sort of code phrase to say... This is soul music, but the singers are white, just so you know.
0: Which, like, why do you gotta make the distinction? But at the same time, it is kind of a different sound in a way. But disregarding all that, it is a soul record. There's a lot of influence of other Americana genres, like folk and blues and some country even on this.
1: Yeah, some tracks get seriously country-western.
0: Yeah, there's a couple that are just straight-up country. But altogether, this album is a mishmash of Americana styles and kind of a celebration of, folksy tunes basically and I, I don't really know about how like the notability of this record much I, it's, it's definitely respected like this is a very critically acclaimed uh respected record but i, I've ne- I like the fact that i've never heard of it is kind of surprising to me
1: yeah i i guess it's because there's not really one track on this thing that really feels big and like this this just does it this just sells the genre or there's no hits yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no real hits on it. I mean, the,
0: the, there's some very good tracks, but hits is a very different thing from a good track. I mean, a song like "Leto Shuffle" is a hit because that it's it's so big and bombastic that you know it's it's a different league altogether from these songs not that it's better or worse but it it has the sound of a hit and none of these songs really do
1: yeah Lido has sort of it's pushing its status almost in the way that it's written and these are really unassuming in a lot of ways they're not really trying to do anything they just are these songs are
0: pretty comfortable just being songs on this album and nothing more i feel which uh i i'm easy the first track that we were talking about just now it is a pretty humble little song, especially in its subject matter, because it is about Boz being just a simple man and just enjoying the, the simple pleasures, basically, and that kind of fits the whole theme and vibe of this album, in my opinion. Yeah, I can agree with
1: that. It's not holding back anything with its soul attitude, but it's also not trying to push anything too much. And I think that kind of shows when you dig into the lyrics a little bit. There are some places where I'm like, I don't think you finished. Because <laughs> uh, the the chorus just sort of stops after a while. I mean, he does he does a, a vocalization of some kind near the end, and that's, that's fun and that's fine. Right. But it doesn't really, like, resolve itself. Yeah. And there's like weird lyrics that I picked out from listening to it. If not the first time, then definitely the second time. There's like "watch me clean your jail."
0: Yeah, I heard that, and, and which my is f-
1: like what?
0: <laughs> my favorite one, A B C Q X Y Z.
1: Yes, exactly. I had that one. As right simple after as that. one two
0: three, so so <laughs> good.
1: <laughs> you could have A B C two X Y Z, and it's like no. okay, so that's the whole thing. No, no, thing. no. Q. You shove Q in the middle. <laughs> what is that? 'Cause he's simple. A B C Q X Y Z <laughs> I guess that really brings it back to you, it's it doesn't have to be anything.
0: He says it so confidently too.
1: Yeah, too.
0: but yeah overall (laughs) i do pretty much like this song i think i mean it it was one of the standouts just because it's the first track and it's like my first impression
1: yeah and it does work really well to establish the tone it's swinging it's groovy it's just sort of hanging out and it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination i like it a lot
0: so we can move on now i think to the second track i'll be long gone which is more of a a bluesy kind of soul tune good horns, and, and I really like, like, the choir and, like, the build-up to the chorus that they do, to, like, the, you know, the
1: get up and make my life shine. Yeah, that feels great, because it drops way down from the first track, and is just, like, really slow and methodical. Not really plotting, but it's just, you, you have this really steady, relaxing rhythm in with it.
0: And this this album does, I, I think, show a lot of good pacing knowledge, you know? Like, these guys know how to pace an album and they know to put this track second after the 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 first you know upbeat soul tune and and yeah this this thing's really cool and 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 this thing is it's got a really nice choir on it and the the lyrics are simple and fine you know like there's not a whole lot to it he's kind of just saying he he makes his life what it is on his own accord and i guess boz is probably definitely a self-motivated kind of guy The, the backup the backup singers here like really Made this track for me, and like their their build up in the chorus, and there's also a pretty dope sax solo.
1: Yeah, the backup singers do a ton of work on this one, and the horns as well. This
0: really isn't something I would normally listen to, which is interesting, and that's kind of going to be a theme on both of these albums we're reviewing this week because it's it's very new to me, and which is crazy because I. I've listened to a lot of classic rock, but not usually it's on the harder side and not on
1: the more soulful, subtler side, unless it's, you know, like Tom Petty or whatever, but... Yeah, this is a lot more in my wheelhouse compared to the last couple albums, I think. I listened a lot to... I mean, it it was classic rock of all stripes is really where I was at, because my dad likes a lot of folk and blues stuff mixed in with the more traditional classic rock. This was stuff that I hadn't heard before, but I had heard stuff like it before it it felt familiar in like a good way but then it was also a lot more soulful than even some of the stuff that i was used to so it was, it was like finding an, a new facet on an old favorite it did feel kind of familiar
0: to me too just because it is such a the the, the, the genre is not hard to get you know it's definitely an every man's music but I'm, I'm i'm so used to listening to music that's so weird and so out there that like Going back to something like this is kind of... It, it felt boring at first, but then it really grew on me, and I kind of got into it. Like, I don't think this is boring at all. I think it's actually really nice and well-made and good to listen to. You know, it's kind of good
1: good for the, the ears and good for the soul. I love that for you, it's it's so normal that it's weird to you by now. It's wrapped back around, where it's like, <laughs> this, this isn't trying to be something more artistic it's just sort of functioning and that's that's different for you. <laughs>
0: exactly like like i've listened to so many so many frank zappa albums and so many like the residence albums and like so much weird shit like that, that this is like, if I was younger, I would ask myself, like, why am I listening to this? Like, what am I getting out of this? But I'm a little bit older now, and I mean, I'm not old, I'm, I'm only 22, but as an adult listening to this, I'm kind of like, yeah, like, I, I can listen to something like this every now and again, like, it's, it's totally cool, and, and it's a nice change of pace for me, even. It's, it's not so challenging, you
1: know? It's just kind of good music. Not challenging sounds like a really apt description for this kind of stuff. The thing that really gets me about a lot of these songs is that I can almost instantly place the location where a lot of them are trying to invoke. I'm Easy feels almost built for like a, like a stage show. You can picture where everybody is in the band while you're listening to that one. And then I'll Be Long Gone is a lot more solitary. It's like it's on a bus driving through the city at night. Yeah. And then into the third song, um, Another Day, Another Letter, this one instantly I got in my head the picture of, like, prom night in the 1950s.
0: That Back to the Future scene. You know, with the yeah uh, Earth Angel. You know, it's that kind of uh, vintage pop tune.
1: Right, and it's it's the slow dance.
0: With Marty McFly and, and Lorraine.
1: Both times that I listened to this, I was like, yep, that's exactly where it
0: is. <laughs> I, I just imagine Marvin Barry picking up the phone and saying... Or, Ma- Marvin Skaggs picks up the phone and says, Hey, yeah. Boz, <laughs> it's your cousin, Marvin Skaggs. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> but yeah I mean it's 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 pretty much a just a, a 50s pop tune or 60s a bluesy little mid tempo it it, it it is in three four time and it's kind of got that shuffle
1: it's got it's got that sort of crooner feel to it for the vocals too yeah
0: it's it's definitely in the in the vein of songs like earth Angel and stuff like that which I do really like like I always liked the song Earth Angel and I never really knew any songs similar to that because I never got into that genre yeah I, I did enjoy this song and I and and we're still in those songs that are close to the beginning of the album that they do stick out to me a lot so this one probably sticks sticks out like in my memory the most I think because I can instantly remember that melody and the tune and the just basically everything about it it's just a really nice well-made little earth angel like I'm doing that video game uh genre thing where you don't know what to call something so you just like like GTA clone, you know? Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's a Doom like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm
0: sure there's a thing, there's a name for it, but I just don't know. I'm not familiar with this kind of thing.
1: Yeah, because I was trying to classify it, and it's still like, I mean, I'd just be saying that, but longer.
0: You can describe so many things about it, and and you you know exactly what kind of song it is. You just don't know what it's called if it is, if it does have
1: a name. Yeah, just a mellow. It's a a mellow 50s crooner pop tune. It's a Minecraft clone. Yeah. Of 1969.
0: So, yeah, let's just move on to track four, Now You're Gone.
1: This is the first track on the album that gets way, way into country western.
0: Pretty country western.
1: It's got that honky-tonk drum and bass, like the boom, ba-boom. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, you can place this thing within the first couple notes.
0: Yeah, but the cool thing about this track is it it does have like this weird electric guitar with like the flanger, the flanger, Flanger I don't know how to say that, but it's it's got like the chorus effect and the flanger, flanger. What the fuck is it? <laughs> That's not important. I'm gonna say flanger, flanger. The the it's got that Ned Flanger's effect. Um. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why they put that in there, but it sounds cool. Like, I, I think maybe they wanted to make it not so standard.
1: Yeah, they they do that with a couple different tracks on this album, that they just make one little adjustment in the instrumentation or one, one slight tweak that you still get the genre and it's not, like, dismantled at all. Like, nothing starts to fray, but it makes it distinct. Like, in Another Day, they also did something like that with the horn section that wasn't super typical for that style of song and then this one has that with the guitar
0: they're they're trying to make this stand out a little bit more than it would have otherwise and they did a pretty good job with it. Like, I definitely remember little stuff like that. So it, it kind of makes it stand out from the crowd of all the honky-tonk country-western tunes that there are. Especially by an artist who doesn't really do country-western normally. It, he has to put his own little touch on it, I feel. I mean, I don't really... I don't know Boz's life. I don't, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, no, I I get what you're saying, because it's it's very weird, because walking out of this, I can't really tell you what Boz Skaggs' style is, but I know that everything on this album fits in it. Yeah. Like, it's, all of these are specifically in his style. It's got, he's put his signature on every single one of these songs. It just looks different for each one.
0: Yeah, and I feel like Boz does have a, he does have a personality for sure. Like, he has his own creative vision on this thing, especially, like, he did write most of the songs. There's a couple covers on here later on in the album. Yeah, there's three. The rest are Boz originals, and he he. it's kind of impressive how he can write in all these different styles and make them all sound cohesive, I think. And he does a good job. Like, I, I, like I never had listened to Boz before, but I feel like now I kind of know Boz.
1: He does make everything a little bit more personal.
0: So now we're on track five, Finding Her, which is a kind of more dramatic it's definitely different from the rest of the songs because it's not your normal blues or country affair at all.
1: It's a really big departure from everything else on the album. It makes a lot more use of the piano on this one. Uh, a lot more of the other ones focus on the electric guitar. Uh, some of them have more of the organ as a backbone. This one really has like a rumbling piano sound to it.
0: Yeah, there's a focus on piano, and it's also backed up by a subtle organ, and, and there's also some bells kind of playing along with the piano, which creates a really almost, like, mystical kind of tune.
1: It is mystical. It's it's mysterious. It's, like, deep, and, like, the, the vocals also have a meandering quality to them. They sort of wind around in a long run-on, and then there's a pause, and he, everything just sort of draws back up, and then it's another exhale, and you just get this stream of consciousness idea that's backed up by the piano, and it all feels, like, ominous this is a little ominous not gloomy but but it's like running around at night when the moon is like full so there's still some light but it is not normal this is definitely the
0: most out there track on here and it's not super out there or super weird but when you put it next to all these other tracks it does sound like something different for sure
1: it pops really well like i i got to this one after hearing the the first few tracks and i was like okay i think i've got this one down and then this one showed up and i'm like what what is this yeah it throws
0: you for a loop and it kind of it kind of makes sure you're paying attention still like (laughs) it kind of kind of wakes you up a little bit he did put it right in the middle of the album too which i think was intentional yeah it it is smack dab in the middle between first four tracks and the last four tracks and I, I don't really have much else to say about it, so unless you do.
1: Yeah, there's not a whole lot that we can really express about it. It's it's sort of a... It's got a smoky poetry feel to the lyrics a little bit. There's no real story going on, but you get the, the feel of it through the words. Yeah, mostly just listen to the album to get this one down. So then we got the next track
0: which kind of goes back to the folksy, sort of a country-ish kind of thing. Look what I got.
1: Yeah, this one has more of the Western feel to it, and I almost wish that it didn't. (laughs) Like, the, the soul, it's got a Western feel to it, and it's got a soul feel to it, and they're sort of grappling with each other instead of working together, and I wish it had stuck more to the soul half of it. Because I I feel like this track in particular succeeds a little bit more in the soul half.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think that's correct. And notably, this is the first track on the album of three that is not written by Boz Skaggs. This is a cover of a song by Charles Chalmers, presumably the superintendent of Springfield Middle School. (laughs) it does kind of stick out as being maybe one of the lesser tracks i don't know i mean i still like it i do like this song
1: it's not bad it's just for me the the way that it was organized was a little bit confused i think
0: sure but my favorite thing about this track is one specific moment where boz sings the line uh like something like he made a big mistake and and the, the backup singers go oh no (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, that that was really good. I, I was like, did they just sing Oh No after he sang Big Mistake?
1: <laughs> I don't know, that's that's pretty good. That's right on the nose, I love it. Yeah, the backup singers do just a ton of work on this album, really fleshing out almost every piece on here.
0: There's a couple where they're not really needed, that so they don't show up, but they're on most of the tracks here. The other thing I had about Look What I Got was I, I, I did really like the slide guitar solo it was really gritty and kind of
1: oh yeah yeah
0: i don't know i there's a couple of those gritty little slide guitar solos and i say gritty as in it's like it's like a different kind of twang where like the the note sounds kind of rattly
1: almost yeah because there's a lot of steel guitar on these ones especially in the western half
0: and i got I, I my ears really grew accustomed to that sound because that that particular sound is featured heavily on both this album and the next album we're going to review give it up my body rate so i kind of got really used to hearing that and i you know, I, I kind of got accustomed to slide guitar. It's not something that I hear a lot in my normal listening habits, even though I, I do like it. And then after that, we go even further down the well of country western and into just literally a straight up country classic tune, Waiting for a Train by Jimmy Rogers. This song is from 1928, and it's a Jimmy Rogers song who was an old, old country singer and yodeler, and this song was it has been covered by Johnny Cash and most notably in probably tons of other country artists. So, this song isn't very much a notable thing on this album other than that it does stick out as being a classic country tune compared to all these more modern for the time kind of mixtures of different genres. I actually really like this one.
1: I do I do like this song a lot and I wrote down as I was listening to it for one of the first times I couldn't quantify it but I liked it more despite it being probably the 20, like the most country song on this. Yeah. Like I gave look what I got. Uh, some knocks for not committing as much to the country part but this one did that completely and it worked out pretty well the one thing that i noticed about it when i was really listening to the lyrics is that it describes him going from frisco back to dixieland which is weirdly enough the exact trajectory that Boz Skaggs himself took. <laughs> he he was in San Francisco recording with Steve Miller Band, and then he went back to Alabama to record this album.
0: Oh my god.
1: So I have to assume that that's why he picked this song to be on the album.
0: Wow, yeah, I never even... That's like an Easter egg.
1: <laughs> it's, it's so weird, because like, most people who are going to listen to this probably didn't know or care about that. But now, after the fact, with all the information available, it's like... Oh, that is, that's really cute.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that is really cool. I never would have known that if you hadn't just pointed that out. And yeah, this song is definitely the most earthy, kind of old ass, fucking cowboy ass Western
1: tune. <laughs> it, it is, it's pretty super cowboy. Is this the one that he yodels on himself?
0: I, I imagine this this song is where the that stereotypical yodel melody that you hear in, in media and stuff comes from the you know the yodeling yeah this is
1: this is right there with that it's
0: literally that and that, that like i just sang the actual yodeling line in it and <laughs> it's it's like it's so i don't know the history of country at all but i feel like this was really <laughs> like
1: it, it feels very archetypical of country
0: yeah th- this this feels like a very foundational piece and so bar kind of Paid tribute to it here, acknowledging his, his country roots a little bit, I imagine.
1: Yeah, and I can appreciate that he stuck mostly to the classic style for it and didn't put too much of his own signature on it. Because that that works in some places, and every once in a while it just didn't. So yeah. I'm glad he stuck mostly to basics for this one.
0: Yeah, no, here he was pretty much just playing the song, and that's it. Which, uh, after that, we actually have Loan Me a Dime, which is another cover and this one's kind of a late blues standard, because this was only made, like, two years. Yeah, th- this song is only from two years before this album came out. So, I mean, there's nothing really that interesting about the song itself. And it's by uh, Fenton Robinson, for what it's worth. Uh, this song is more, I feel like, uh, just a framework for Boz and Dwayne Ullman to show off their guitar solos.
1: Yes, because this, uh, this song is 12 minutes long, which is the size of, like, three or four other tracks on the album, depending on which ones you pick. Yeah. Uh, and it is just a big, long blues jam that comes and goes like waves, it really feels. Because there, there's, like, build-ups with the guitars and the horns, and then it washes back out, and it goes out and it calms back down. And they have a couple of these swells that feel really good, and it's built around, like you said, the solos. Yeah.
0: I mean, Dwayne Ullman is obviously amazing here and yes I, and i wish i kind of knew which parts Dwayne was playing and which parts boz was playing but as far as i know there's no way i can like figure that out unless i asked a expert to point out which parts were which but
1: right the, the guitars don't sound terribly different
0: yeah i i could probably pick it out if i just knew a little bit more about both of these artists but i don't so but either way it's very enjoyable to listen to because they're they're both really good guitarists it didn't feel 12 minutes to me because i was enjoying the solos so much and all the noodly bluesy guitar work i just liked it a lot
1: yeah i agree this this really breezed on by for being easily the longest song on the album
0: one really nice thing about this album too is that it is only 44 minutes long which is a little bit short it's really digestible you know it's it's simple and short, and I really think that's what Boz was going for.
1: Yeah, the spots where it plays around don't really get too weird with it, or they they don't try to do too much. They just have their piece, and whoever's doing that particular instrumental bit at the time gets it out of the way and does it well, but then moves on.
0: Yeah, like, the short length of this made it really easy for me to listen to. So at first, I thought it would be kind of a slog, just because I'm not really into this style, but listening to it more and more, I kind of would just, like, like I would start listening to it, and before I knew it, it was over. It, it, it made my commute to work feel shorter because of how fast these songs went by, because they're so, like, just simple and enjoyable. It's, it's very different from what I usually listen to, because, like, I'll listen to, like, fucking sprawling rock operas or experimental drone suites and shit like that, but... Yeah, no, this is just some nice American songwriting right here.
1: Yeah, you kinda of figure out why this style got so popular when it did. It's relaxing but not inherently slow or quiet or tranquil. Yeah. It's just it's it's easy on the ears and simple enough that you can follow it and get the tune just far enough in your head that you can call it up later and be like, Okay, yeah, that's fun. And it's it's not None of these songs are a chore for either player or listener, I feel.
0: Yeah, and also, I should just say, like, basically everything I just said in the last, like, minute or so, or couple minutes, pretty much also applies to Bonnie Raitt's Give It Up, which is the next album we're gonna review. It's weird, We have these coincidental albums that go next to each other. They're, like, different styles, but... I don't know, there's like a parallel there.
1: Yeah, that's paid off for us so far. Uh, in a couple of weeks, though, we'll be listening to Eurythmics and Albert King at the same time, so I think our <laughs> luck's going to run out probably around then.
0: We'll we'll find some way to connect the two. How Okay, how about we make... <laughs> here he, <laughs> We make it a game, a meta game in our podcast, and, and the, the, it'll be kind of interesting because this podcast has, now has a fail state. Where... <laughs> <laughs> If we fail to figure out what the two albums have in common that we're reviewing, we lose and the podcast is over. We have to just stop. Yep. We hang up our hat and we go home. And, and to increase the stakes, even... Wait
1: a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The stakes haven't been already increased to the highest degree when no, no, we no, no, said, no. if we don't do this, the podcast is over?
0: No, no, no. If we don't do it, we delete... All the old episodes, like the whole backlog of episodes, and we also can never listen to those albums again.
1: (laughs) So the further along we get in the podcast, the more dangerous the game it becomes. Yeah,
0: exactly, like... Like you you love Vitology by Pearl Jam and we'll we'll probably get to that one if we do good enough but but if we fail after that you can never listen to that album again. You have to delete
1: it. Right. If I suddenly if I can't put together I don't know, Merle Haggard and the notorious BIG, then I I'm going to be wrecked.
0: Yeah, no, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> this is that's it. You're done. Like uh also I accidentally just deleted <laughs> Bonnie Raitt from our list. <laughs>
1: You were just trying to see if you could do it. You were just trying to see if that power was afforded to you. I can take that away. I was kind of you know? just
0: like touching my keyboard and it just happened, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Bonnie Raitt's gone. We can't do the second half of the episode anymore. What were you thinking? She's just in... She's down the memory hole. 27, I, I just went to Wikipedia and Bonnie Raitt's not there. What do we do? Wait, who's not there? Ah! Oh, God! She's gone! <laughs> she had a
0: family! <laughs> it's like fed her to the put put her albums in the void fish tank that's a reference to another (laughs) podcast
1: (laughs) we we still have the first album to get through we're almost so that's where we're at the last track on this album is entitled sweet release aka desolation avenue that wasn't on the
0: spotify playlist yeah which is weird they don't have like the parenthetical titles on there for some reason because Another Day is actually called Another Day and then parenthetical Another Letter.
1: Sweet Release didn't really stand out to me very much. I, I tried to write down some stuff about it, but it really just felt like general good soul
0: yeah there wasn't anything really notable about it but i thought it was a very good closer because because loan me a dime was a really long and being like a minor blues song it has a lot of tension and a lot of build-up and i feel like sweet release as per the as the title would suggest is kind of a a resolution and it gives you closure from all that tension.
1: I can agree with that. It is an exhale and it's a good way to bookend the album with something like "I'm Easy." That's a good intro. This is a very good outro.
0: Like I, I feel like that that was by design, especially by just like the title right there. And th- this is uh, another original Boz Scaggs composition, as opposed to the last, th- the previous three tracks, which were covers. You know, Boz wraps it up with a Boz tune. I mean, yeah, there's not a whole lot other than that to say. So for final thoughts, I, I mean, I said pretty much my whole piece about this album you know it's not something i would normally listen to but listening to it was pretty rewarding i feel and i don't know if i'd put this in my regular rotation but i would definitely revisit it and maybe check out some other songs by boz or maybe stuff in the similar vein
1: i think i'm in the same boat as you boz on this album tries a lot of stuff yeah he works with soul and blues and some general rock and roll stuff but it doesn't completely land all the time and one of the things that i was noticing with a lot of the songs is the fade out fade out is something that i go back and forth on
0: uh, yeah
1: i prefer in general when a song gets a clear resolution when a song can end there are times where i don't notice fade out and i don't worry about it uh whether i've heard the song in like live or a concert version before where it does end and i know it or whatever it is, or it's just something that I don't hold against the song too much. A lot of the songs on this album, I held the fade out against them because it didn't feel like the song was like had a resolution to it. Yeah, I I kind of get what
0: you're saying. A lot of these were kind of short, you know, sub three minutes even. Some of them felt like they could have done a little more. It, it's hard to write endings.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's it's just that every once in a while, I like. There was one where a, the piano was just almost going off during the fade out. Like it was halfway through the fade out and the piano just pulled some shit. And I was like, well, no wait, Hold on. Yeah. Bring me back. <laughs> I what, hate what is that. that? I hate when that happens. Oh, the, <laughs> I know it, it's probably a lot better for radio jockeys, but yeah. I'm buying the album. <laughs> <laughs> Give me something to work with and to finish this off. I don't know. And that, that kind of feels like it's indicative of, the, of most of the album. These songs aren't bad. They're not badly constructed. They have good, Great instrumentation, and the backup stuff is fantastic. Yeah. But for a lot of the compositions and a lot of the recompositions when he does covers, it just feels like he was trying a lot of stuff, seeing what stuck... And when stuff didn't stick, it wasn't reworked. It was just, it just kind of left there in the song.
0: Yeah, and, and also this was uh, only his second solo album. Yeah. And the, the yeah. first, his first album was all covers of traditional songs and other blues and folk standards. Uh, and this this one, this is mostly original. I mean, there's three covers on it, so... It might as well have been his first solo album. Yeah, that kind of makes sense, considering. But, yeah, overall, I, I did really enjoy this. But what you're saying is kind of a thing <laughs> to, to to validate that a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I liked the album a lot. And I guess what I'm saying is I really want to go and see the next couple of albums that he put out. Because yeah. I want to see how this gets built upon. This feels like a foundational album, and I can see why it's on this list but low on the list right because it feels like this is trying a lot of stuff and a lot of people can look to this and be like okay so this is how i can take an old standard and put my own spin on it just in and of itself its success is a it's a little bit muddled
0: yeah and you know it's a good album check it out if you're into this kind of thing or if you're not definitely and we'll take a short break and after that we'll be back reviewing bonnie Rates, uh her 1972 album give it up give it up for bonnie Raitt.
1: Album Club 500. We are on our second album of the episode. It's Give It Up by Bonnie Raitt. Coming in at number 495. It's pretty good. Yeah, not a whole lot to say on this one either. I mean...
0: (sighs) That's my review.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's early 70s rock and roll. It's singer-songwriter, folk, blues... a A little bit of country. This one does veer a little bit more into country than the last one did. Yeah. In a different sort of way, too. The first album that we went through, Boz Skaggs, had more of the distinctly, like, western country feel. Like, the cowboy kind of feel. Yeah. And Bonnie Raitt does more of a not really modern country song. Because modern country song is super, like, template-y and formulaic in some ways. But a little bit more of a a, a pop country song. This is the development of pop country.
0: Yeah, I feel like it, it really kind of is. It. And like I said, I don't really know the history of country at all. But this does seem like a pretty notable album for that. And and can I just say, this thing is really well produced. It does not sound like 1972. This sounds like it could have been made in this decade.
1: It just feels great. And if I had to characterize the influences on this, I, again, I'm not super into country, but I know more of the, the rock and roll and folk and blues side of it. This fits into the archetype of what's kind of referred to as rockabilly. Yes. A lot more of the Elvis kind of style of rock and country and where those two overlap. It's a more swinging kind of bouncy rock, like light rock tune than it is really heavy country.
0: I will say our first track here, Give It Up or Let Me Go, which the album was of course named for, I would say like it's pretty gritty. It's got that bottleneck slide guitar you know and and yeah it, it is really bouncy and there's this really awesome horn section going on and at the end of the goddamn track the tuba comes in and like it sounds like you're you're in a saloon and like people are drinking and having fun and stuff and it's awesome yeah it, it, like the there's like this like clarinet going crazy with a solo and like the trumpet and the tuba and it's almost like new Orleansy. I, I mean, I know we're not into the track by track yet, but I just like, that that song really stuck out to me for that.
1: Yeah, the horn section really wakes up during the first track, because near the beginning of that track, they're actually kind of lame in some places. <laughs> like, the, the horns start out really sort of like, and yeah. I heard that, I was like, oh, it's gonna be this kind of album. <laughs> but by the end of it, they were they were really like revved up and, and on board. Yeah. Um, and then for the rest of the album, they do a lot of work.
0: They, they really do. And this album is also mostly covers. So um, only the first two tracks and the ninth track are actually Bonnie Raitt originals. And this is only Bonnie's second album. I mean, that kind of makes sense. So I'm, like her first album is, well, it, it has two two original songs on it. And this one has three.
1: So it's a little bit of a step up. But Thank goodness we can make a really easy connection between this and Boz Skaggs because they're both the same shape of albums here. Yeah. We're getting towards some of our own written material, but we're still leaning on a lot of classics, trying to make our mark and, and establish our style and our voice, but there's a lot of buildup behind it. There are a lot of established styles and established songwriters that are keeping this album aloft. And then what really sets it out is the production and the instrumentation and how that's organized for these old songs and now that we
0: say that it's kind of absurd how many like how much these albums parallel each other and they are only made three years apart from each other
1: yeah <laughs> they're
0: both sophomore albums they're both a step forward in like an artist establishing their voice they're both kind of like americana kind of music i mean they're not the same but they both have a little bit of country tint and it's a really good thing we could make these connections so easily because I don't want to end this podcast this early. <laughs> I don't want to lose just quite yet.
1: I don't want to lose immediately after establishing the lose condition.
0: Exactly. That's that would be really embarrassing. That's the like like we we tripped out of the starting gate or or we we were already in the race and we decided to to make it a little more challenging and then we immediately just exploded Stumbled we stepped on fell. a landmine
1: <laughs> burst into flames
0: yeah and and then and, and you know that's gonna happen we'll probably back up a little bit on our our stakes and kind of you know wuss out a little
1: yeah we'll say we won't have to delete no, everything no. we'll just have to try again <laughs>
0: we, we have to re-record all of those episodes we Is have what to happens do the entire
1: podcast from scratch
0: yep Every time we fuck up and, and don't connect the two albums we're reviewing, we go back to Equemini and B.B. King live at Cook County
1: Jail, and we have to listen to them
0: again as if we never heard them.
1: <laughs> I have to walk into it saying, well, I don't know a whole lot about Outcast, <laughs> but this Equemini thing is really quite nice. It's like,
0: it's like after we've already reviewed Stankonia, and like you went and like listened to their whole discography <laughs> after that.
1: Go I had to go back and change some of the... <laughs> The ratings. <laughs> By the end of this, like the entire first 100 that we review are just, oh, I have listened to this all of the time. <laughs> well, luckily, and for we us, also have Bonnie to chop Raid off a toe. Has... <laughs> we do not have to chop off a toe. I'm putting, I'm putting down my entirely whole foot here. I, I didn't say our toe,
0: either of our toes, just a toe. <laughs>
1: this is getting increasingly dangerous. <laughs> all right, well... and I don't think Bonnie Rate deserves that. Do you? I don't don't think Bonnie Raitt needs to be associated with potential maimers. It doesn't have to be her toe. Trying to get some semblance of the fact that we're an album review show. Okay. (laughs) A surprising thing about this to me, and I'm upset that it did surprise me, Bonnie Raitt plays the crap out of a guitar on this. Oh, hell yeah. No, she's great. I I didn't get it from the... uh, album cover because it's just sort of her standing there with nothing and i assume that she was the singer she plays like every kind of guitar on this album yeah
0: she is really good on this and she also has other session musicians playing with her another another guitarist who's also good and it's another situation where i don't know when it's bonnie playing and when it's the the session musician but i would like to know because there is some really like standout guitar work on this and it's not that important but kind of the main thing like bonnie's uh appeal as i've gathered is her singing voice which she does have a very good singing voice but to be honest i've i don't think i've ever in my life listened to an artist because they sang well (laughs) and really i mean think like, some of my favorite artists are known for not singing well.
1: Ah, that's right. Like, Bob Dylan
0: right. and Randy Newman and, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like...
1: I mean, even Jack White that we were Jack White, last time you mentioned. Yeah, him, exactly. Doesn't have a traditionally good singing voice. I don't
0: give a shit if you can sing... Like, it's cool. <laughs> like, I think Bonnie Raitt's a really good singer and I really respect her talent and, and I, I enjoy listening to her. But that's not interesting to me. What's interesting to me is good songwriting and interesting song just interesting and good songs like i mean the performance is a big aspect of it and if if you perform it well it's good but you don't necessarily have to be technically even proficient to to hold my interest and a lot of times it's more interesting to me when the artist isn't technically good and they make up for it with their songs
1: i I think that makes sense and that that fits that fits very well with how I understand that you like music. And and that, that fits in with the idea of as long as the performance is cohesive, as long as all the parts fit well together, then individual parts can ebb and flow in terms of how good or how technically proficient they are. For my part, I think this is probably where we diverge a little bit in our tastes because there are a lot of times where I have just stopped listening to someone because they're voice was that grating to me there haven't been a whole lot of cases with this but there have been artists where i like a lot of their stuff or i like their stuff in a group and it functions well but then when i get to their solo stuff and it's just the the style shifts dramatically to something that's not really technical or not just not great that i i shy away from that a lot john lennon's solo stuff is like that for me Oh, okay. Because I I, lo- I like the guy's songwriting. I, I definitely like it more when he's with McCartney, but yeah. I, I do like his songwriting on its own, but his vocal style just, there's some of it where it's just phrased so bad that it's, it's, <laughs> m- it's like nauseating to hear. Yeah,
0: no, I kind of get that. And, and we'll get into that when we do review uh Plastic Ono Band, I believe. It's yeah, that's,
1: that's going to be a, a trying episode for me, I think. That'll
0: be a fun one. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I can always appreciate and dig a technically good performer, but I, I've, I've never, ever gone out of my way to listen to someone because they were so technically good. Or, like, even with, like, rap, like, uh tech nine the rapper he's known for rapping really really fast but his songs are not even close to interesting for me and there's a couple others like that or like Ingve Malmsteen like is considered one of the greatest Ah, guitarists in the world and like he he can shred the shit out of a guitar he plays all these crazy neoclassical tunes that sounds like he has like eight hands on the fucking fretboard and it's not fun to listen to (laughs) or interesting at all (laughs) you know yeah
1: where I will give Bonnie Raitt credit. No, I'm, though, I'm not is trying that...
0: to. I, I'm actually. I, I meant to back this up a little bit and say I, sure, sure. I do actually really enjoy this album. And the, the songs that Bonnie wrote herself, the first two and the ninth track, are very, very good. Uh, and the rest are covers. And that doesn't really appeal to me much because I'm not hearing Bonnie's uh, artistic voice. I'm hearing her singing
1: voice. I, I get what you're saying. And I totally, I totally get the distinction between artistic voice and singing voice. But I also really appreciate her singing voice because it's not just... There's technical proficiency in I can carry a tune well, and I have a particular, you know, set of pipes that can sing in one particular way and do that really well. She actually shows off a lot of different styles on this album. She's got a range, not just in like what notes she can hit, but in how she can use her voice to sing all these different styles of songs there's soul there's blues there's the more rockabilly country stuff like we mentioned this album goes a lot of different places and she nails every style that comes her way on this one
0: yeah no she definitely does have a very good stylistic range i'll say and, and especially the the covers she selected to do on this album are, are a pretty d- diverse range of songs i think and i, I do really appreciate it for that I, i'm not trying to, to say anything bad about it this is just personal for me. Yeah, of course. All this stuff I'm saying. <laughs> like, th- this is a very good album. And if we can get into a track by track, I'll say Give It Up or Let Me Go is, given only a sample size of three songs, I don't really know what Bonnie's uh, artistic voice is, because these three songs that she did write herself are very different from each other. Give It Up or Let Me Go is, is so, like, it, it sticks out to me so much because it's it's so bouncy and fun and the lyrics are really good.
1: Yeah, the lyrics work really well and the story that it tells is it's just strong and
0: i I can see why she named the album after this song because it it kind of gave me a little bit into who bonnie is this is sounding so much like we're reviewing the Boss Skags album again. It's <laughs> 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 ridiculous. We could have just, you know, we could have just copied and pasted the first review, but but just record ourselves saying Bonnie Raitt and put it over every time we say Boss Skags and replace all the song titles.
1: <laughs> if we go into the second track, though, it's very weird because this is also a more subdued track that has a good use of the horn section because this the second track, Nothing Seems to Matter has a really cool saxophone that comes over the rest of the track, which is just acoustic guitar more than anything else.
0: Yeah, that sax solo was great. Or, I mean, not even a solo. It's just kind of playing the whole time.
1: Right. Not necessarily. It wasn't even like a conversation. It was just overlaid on top of the acoustic track. Yeah. And it gave a really clear through line to follow. And it it just felt really good and it brought the whole thing together.
0: Yeah, and the, the guitar chords on this thing were really interesting to me too. Like, Bonnie really experimented here with, like, jazzy chords and, like, kind of a non-standard chord progression. And I, I, I really dig this track. Nothing seems to matter. And uh, the lyrics are good, too. I mean, if a little cheesy, like, nothing seems to matter without you. But it, it's a good ballad, and Bonnie's technical proficiency with singing really shines here more than a lot of other places too and given that I do like this song so much and that she wrote it this is probably my favorite track
1: I think yeah I can see that this is definitely up there for me probably my favorite that
0: was a really good one and then we got the track three I Know You Don't Love Me No More Uh, I Know is the title and then there's a parenthetical You Don't Love Me No More (laughs) which I'm glad it's parenthetical so I can just say it's called I Know because that's a wordy ass long title (laughs) I'm like why? Why would you make a touch? I'll
1: get into the actual, like, music of this track. But this one starts off with someone, I assume it's Bonnie, making a very strange oh. noise that they kept in. Yeah. Like, it was like... <laughs>
0: yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> it, it was just a very bizarre vocalization. I kind of just, like, blocked that out from my memory. <laughs> until you brought it up just now, and now I'm remembering it.
1: Now it's crystal
0: clear in your mind? Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. Bonnie, why'd you do it?
1: (laughs) Why did you keep that? You didn't have to keep that.
0: You could have just took that, you could have just edited that out, like all the disgusting throat clearing noises I make on this podcast. Yeah, (laughs) you could edit that out,
1: like someone has to, every day.
0: Yeah, who does that? I wonder wonder who has to do that.
1: (laughs) I wonder when the gnomes come and clean up my audio. (laughs)
0: Let me just (laughs) edit that out. Swear to God. (laughs) But yeah, uh, this song is pretty good. Uh, It's a bit more of a swingy,
1: bluesy tune. Yeah, this one's a lot more honky-tonk,
0: I think. Yeah, and it's a cover of a Barbara George tune. I feel like I should look into some of the artists covered on these albums, because I feel like that would be a good path to go down.
1: Yeah, a lot of the lower albums on this list are a good synthesis of a lot of different sources. They work as really good examples of taking different influences and making a cohesive whole out of them. So while the albums that we list are going to be good references for you to get an idea of these styles of music, even the stuff that they cover is another, like, layer into that. You could break that down and find everybody that they cover on these albums and have another, like, educational session (laughs) just going through those albums.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like these... Like, th- these are the Star Wars of music right here, you know? Like, yeah. not not quite on the same level of uh, <laughs> of acclaim, but they're very much a mishmash of influences, and they do a very good job, and I feel like I could really get into... If if the artists covered on this album are some of Bonnie Raitt's favorite artists, I feel like I should probably listen to them. I can agree with that. Because, I mean, her given her songwriting and how much I like her songs, yeah, I Know is a pretty good track. Number four is called If You Gotta Make a Fool of Somebody. That's the full title. That's so much. (laughs) Which is like also half of the words that she says in the song. Yeah. This is a Rudy Clark cover. Another artist I don't know. I don't... I should just say I don't know any of the artists covered on this. (laughs) But uh, this one is probably my least favorite but it has a sweet sax solo.
1: Nice. That that does bring it back around. Yeah, even with trying to listen to this one, it I, I've done more due diligence than I did on the last couple episodes, but this one still didn't really hook me at all.
0: Yeah, and, and this is probably the only track, too, where Bonnie's voice kind of grated on me a little bit. Okay. She kind of went a little scratchy, a little up into the upper register and kind of, like, waily. It was okay. Definitely my least favorite. But, you know, these songs are all really brief. And just like the Boss Gags album, this thing does go by really fast, much like our track by track we're doing right now, which takes us to number five, Love Me Like a Man.
1: Yeah, this was a cover of a song that was intended to be written from a male perspective. So she actually repurposed the entire lyrics of this song. Uh, Wait. To make it, what?
0: Are you saying the original artist, Chris Smither, wrote the song Love Me Like a Man? Yes. Was it originally Love Me Like a Woman? No. Okay.
1: It's not changing the genders of the. It, it, it's 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 re- It's a really weird, and this is kind of where I'm also impressed. I almost count this as a Bonnie Raitt original because yeah. <laughs> the the lyrics were repurposed enough such that instead of "You need to love me like I am a man," it's "I need you to love oh, me like you are a
0: man." Oh, I understand.
1: That's really nuanced.
0: <laughs> See, I thought Chris Smither was telling was writing this song telling a partner. To love him as if they were a man. I, I don't know. I'm not
1: a hundred percent certain, but I I, I, think I don't know it's, Chris it's Smithers'
0: orientation.
1: Yeah, I don't know nearly enough about Chris Smithers to make any sort of judgments one way or the other on that. But as I understand it, that's what the shift was. This song is—it's a good cover. It's a bouncy tune. It's just kind of fun. It's a—it's a really good blues cover, and it's a, like I was mentioning before. Bonnie shows her range on this album and this song in particular is a good showcase of that vocal range of styles. Yeah,
0: and and this is one where I wish I I really wish I knew whether it was Bonnie or the session guitarist playing the guitar here because it's really good. Like there's like some fancy ass fucking licks. I I wish I knew. And then we got track 6 Too Long at the Fair, which is a nice
1: low-key little ballad. It's really breezy. Yeah, it's breezy. This song is super breezy, and it's one of those where you you imagine—at least I imagine—like this this feels like a concert song to me, but a concert song where everybody's stoned out of their gourds, <laughs> and like that's there's like this really big gap before in the chorus before you get to the line "too long at the fair," and it's like it feels like that gap was put there to get everybody back to lucidity so that they could all sing it together. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, and I, I I also really like the bass on this. It's it's a stand up. Double bass, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's it's really like kinda growly almost and and it's got uh probably my favorite bit of guitar work in the little there's like a shreddy fucking electric guitar solo and like it doesn't seem like that would fit here but it really does. Yeah. And and it's another thing. I don't know if, if, if Bonnie played that or if the,
1: from the credits, I have to assume she's, she's doing that because she has so many other like types of guitar on this. Like let, let me, let me read through the list of things that Bonnie Raitt plays on this album. Acoustic guitar, guitar, Piano, electric guitar, steel guitar, vocals and background vocals, 12-string guitar, and bottleneck guitar.
0: At the same time. At the same time. Live. I like that they distinguish bottleneck guitar instead of just saying slide guitar. Because it's the same thing, except they use a fucking beer bottle as the slide instead of an actual, like, glass, like, finger attachment to to play it. (laughs) So that's why it sounds... Rattly instead of clean.
1: I also appreciate that guitar is listed separately from acoustic guitar, electric guitar, and every other kind of guitar. What the fuck kind of guitar?
0: So (laughs) if she played acoustic and electric guitar and steel guitar and guitar.
1: What other kind of guitar is there?
0: Is that the first guitar ever made?
1: (laughs) <laughs> the guitar.
0: Yeah, whatever. It's it's a weird thing.
1: I think in most <laughs> cases, if you really like the guitar, she's probably playing it.
0: The, the session musicians, so you got, like, Cal David played guitar and electric guitar. And then Amos Garrett played guitar. Uh, John Hall played guitar and electric guitar.
1: God, there are a lot of guitar players on this album. I feel like you could just say guitar. Why list all those different kinds of guitars if you're not going to say what kind of guitars (laughs) I (laughs) played? I think it has to, I think this list that we're looking through is taken from like a track by track breakdown of who played what.
0: You're right. It must be in the liner notes. Each track tells you who played what on what track. Yeah. We need that. We need to look at
1: that. If you're listening to this, go find the liner notes because we have no idea who played what on what. But you can know. You can be better than we are. They just condensed it to... It's fine. Yeah. Guitar work on Too Long at the Fair was good, no matter who did it.
0: That's true. I mean, I imagine it was probably Bonnie who did the cool stuff, right? Because it's her album. So then we got Under the Falling Sky, which is a rock and roll tune with cowbell and distorted harmonica. And it's awesome.
1: That was, I was trying to place it, because the distorted harmonica, I was trying to figure out if it was that or if it was a horn of some kind that I just couldn't place.
0: Yeah, it sounds kind of weird at first, like, if you don't know what it is, but, yeah. This is a cover of a Jackson Brown song, which sounds like a name I should know.
1: Yes, Jackson Brown was a little bit bigger in, in soul music. I don't know a lot of his stuff specifically, but I definitely have heard some stuff by him on all stations.
0: I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure I've heard something, but... I feel like that would be a one looking worth looking into considering how good this song is.
1: Yeah, I think we've got him on the list somewhere. Under the Falling Sky, when I wrote my notes for this album, I wrote down this feels like three quarters of the blueprint for a blues traveler album. <laughs> Cause like the vocal style was really similar to that. The use of the harmonica was really big on this track. Yeah. And J- the way that the whole thing was organized felt a lot like Blues Traveler took some influences from that. I'm sure they did. I, I have to imagine, because the- that band is spun off from this kind of rock and roll. It's folk and instrumentation, but not necessarily in songwriting. The The vocal range is a lot of the same stuff. Oh, and also the the chorus on this one, uh, where the instruments drop out a bit and it's her for a while, that's... Oh, that feels great!
0: Yeah, th- that's a really good moment that stuck out.
1: Both of these albums are just. This is just solid. This is just real good. Yeah. Am I gonna listen to this all the time? I don't know. But it was real good.
0: <laughs> I I like definitely didn't anticipate any of this like going in, like from the beginning. I was like, ah, this is this one's gonna be a chore to listen to and to review, but it's really <laughs> not. Like, I mean, this album's only thirty. Uh, 36 minutes long Which is really short And it it goes by so fast Because the songs are so good And it's so pleasant to listen to And This is like music that it, like real adults listen to <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah We can I'm pretend like to be real adults While we listen to this music <laughs> <laughs> Digging through our track by track Next one is You Got To Know How And yes. this one is swinging as hell
0: Th- This is a honky fucking tonk Country ass <laughs> tune yeah. and it's got this amazingly dope clarinet solo that sounds like a fucking vaudeville fucking I don't know like I I, I love this one it's it's like kind of goofy there was goofy. a really
1: good conversation near the middle that was like a between the clarinet and the guitar and that felt so so good
0: this is definitely a highlight for me just of, of the uh, cover tunes cause it's just I don't know, like, I would never listen to something like this normally, like, and and, and I love the instrumentation with, like, the, the horns and the clarinet and everything. You have got to know how.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not sure what that's supposed to mean in this context, of me just saying that right now, but you've got to know how.
1: Because it's used in almost, like, every context for the song. There's a bunch of different, like, uses of it. It's like, this person didn't know how but i knew how and this person needed to know how and it's all over the place and it's great fun
0: yeah i love this song it's it's by jack Viertel and sippy wallace who the fuck right (laughs) (laughs) they're probably cool but who yeah i'll I'll probably i mean sippy wallace is a an old ass old blues singer and she's probably awesome i listen to these songs i'm like damn whoever originally
1: recorded this must have been awesome I would probably listen to some more Bonnie Raitt, too, after this. This, a lot again, a lot like Boz Skaggs, it's, I want to see where this goes. It's re- it's pretty good right now, and it's good right now, but, like, I'd love to see where this ends up.
0: I don't know. I feel like I could dig into it more, but from what I've heard of her, like, late 80s, because for whatever reason, she had huge breakout hits in in the late 80s, for which is weird. But those hits, I've listened to a little bit, and they, they sound really bland. To me at Aww. first listen but but no but I feel like if I got more into them like you know it's, it's adult music you know like it's not supposed <laughs> to be super crazy or out there it's just like really good you you kind of appreciate things like that more when you get older and and I'm not like there yet
1: right we're not we're not real adults anyway
0: but but doing this series I'm kind of being forced to go there with albums <laughs> like these two you know what I mean
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I think different kinds of music have different kinds of applications and usefulness in what you want to get out of them. And so when there, there are some states of mind and some ages where you're just like, I, I can't appreciate this because it's not what I need or want right now. Yeah. And then this kind of stuff fits well for a certain demographic just of what they, what they need out of the music that they're listening to. And so when we put ourselves in the shoes of that, and try and and get at these songs from a place of figuring out who they're for and why we like them, then it becomes a lot easier to figure out, oh, uh, now this makes more sense.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that takes us to the second-to-last track, track nine, You Told Me Baby, which is the third Bonnie Raitt original on this album. Uh, This is my other favorite track, along with Nothing Seems to Matter. Um, just, it's just like a good, like Southern kind of rock, Southern rock. Uh, I don't know. It's just a cool rockin' tune.
1: <laughs> it's got a really groovy ass intro.
0: Yeah. And it's got, uh, really nice horns too.
1: And the, um, I think this one had the best beat from yeah. what I remember out of it. This this one just had a really good driving beat to, yeah, hit, it to does really have a... sell the groove on it. Like
0: it's, it's another one of those good tracks where it's like good, and I I liked it, and I say it's my second favorite, and I don't know what else to say about
1: it. <laughs> That's the this is the weird thing about doing a music podcast and just talking about the stuff, because there's some stuff where you can you can describe what's going on, but with this, there's no way to talk out the description of it when it's music.
0: <laughs> it wouldn't do even 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 if we could, it wouldn't really do it justice. It, it's not like it has a selling point, you know. It's just a good song. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I mean, we we expect our listeners to, to listen along when they so desire. Um, yeah. We're not assigning the homework for you guys, but <laughs> I mean... Yeah. I feel like you get a lot more of it out of this if you do, but, you know, that's your prerogative.
1: I mean, we give the context for it. We'll let you know if there's anything that really drives us to these sorts of things, and we have. But, in general, the best way to get what we're saying out of this and to make sense of it is to go listen to the stuff yourself.
0: Yep, definitely. So, we got our last track, Love Has No Pride which is a really stripped-down ballad with, as far as I can tell, there's only guitar, piano, and bass in this one. And it's a really pretty song by Eric Kaz and Libby Titus.
1: This one feels like probably the simplest song, though that might just be after coming after the back half of this album. It just feels really together and solid and not a whole lot else there.
0: Yeah, and this one gives me a feeling like Bonnie Raitt probably had some emotional connection to this song like a personal Mm -hmm. connection because i mean it's by artists that it's by two artists it's not like a group or or anything or one artist so i don't even know who's known for recording it or anything like it it doesn't feel like it's probably a very well-known song before she did it and uh and she 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 definitely seems to have a personal connection with this song like this is as emotional as this album gets because it's stripped down, there's only piano, guitar, and bass, no rhythm section. And it's oh, it's it's so pretty.
1: Yeah, it doesn't let anything get in the way of just selling the words and her vocals.
0: It's a very nice closer, too. And I feel like it's it's kind of a resolution, you know, it's, it's closure for the album.
1: Yeah, it wraps up the album really well.
0: I, I'm always looking out for good closers on albums. I always appreciate when they either save the best for last and make it like a big climax, or they put like a really like kind of uncharacteristically somber or stripped down simple song at the end. Anything you could do to make a, a closer stand out, to make it like, now the album's over and I'm going to remember that, like forever, like, that that's just good art, good album crafting.
1: Yeah, I think you have to make your closer really sell the album, make it so that when you walk away from it, you say, you can say, I am glad that I have been here. And I will remember this. It's not leaving me hanging. It's not leaving me with anything to figure out. It's just, thank you yeah. for listening.
0: And a lot of artists seem to forget that I I think maybe the, the opener and the closer are kind of the most important part of the album because they leave the biggest impression on you if you listen to it all the way through. But we are kind of in an era of this modern time where albums are not really being listened to as much as they used to be. But... Serious music listeners and like hobbyists will listen to full albums pretty much forever. I imagine.
1: Yeah, I think there's always going to be a market for the full album.
0: Yeah, so so some artists will take that into account and make an opener and a closer be a thing. And some artists just won't. I notice like I've noticed some artists just have nothing as the closer, basically like a a throwaway track. Like I don't know. It's but that'll just about wrap it up for Bonnie Raitt. Give it up. Give it up for Bonnie Raitt. I already made that goose. And I will.
1: (laughs) This was an enjoyable experience.
0: Yeah, I really like this. And I would never listen to this normally on my own accord, which is what's cool about this podcast.
1: This feels a lot like songs that I've heard before. Again, a a lot like Boss Gags. This, This is the kind of rock and roll that I've heard a lot of or heard variations on which makes me kind of upset that I haven't heard any of these songs before because they're all really good and I'm not, I don't quite understand why I haven't heard any Bonnie Raitt before.
0: I don't know. Bonnie seems like a bit of a, kind of an understated figure in music. I don't know. She's, she's not like yeah. one of the huge ones, but she's not, she's pretty well known. But I mean, she does have super huge hits, but you might just have never noticed that like, you could easily miss them. So yeah, definitely give these albums a listen if you're interested in this kind of music at all or if you just want something nice next week we'll be listening to Oracular Spectacular by MGMT which is an album I've heard before that's pretty good and Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco which is amazing we really hope that you join us next week for that and listen to those albums in advance if you want to or you know wait for us to tell you in the next episode but I'll already tell you now
1: they're good albums (laughs) I I can't tell you because I've never heard either of those albums or anything by either and I'm of those so artists. Excited. So excited this is going to be uh this is going to be 27 schooling me <laughs> in uh in this particular genre. I I am so excited for you to hear these because they're so very good. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to opalnebula.com. It's a brand new website that's going to house this as well as some of the other podcasts that I do. And if you want to get some feedback to us directly, you can find us on Twitter at Album Club 500. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.